Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. series that we took a little bit of a break from for a couple of weeks, and I just again want to offer my appreciation to our team and to Pastor Jim Hicks who came and filled in, and Pastor Seth killed it last week. Man, that was good. That was amazing, and so I appreciate, I appreciate the ability to take a little bit of time, and, uh, and we are just, we're excited for uh, Friday to be able to celebrate uh, my dad's life, and if you are able to come out on Friday to Christian Life Center, we would very much love to see you there. And um, and I want to just again thank all of you for reaching out and for uh, praying for us and caring for us. And uh, and we are we are blessed that we have such an amazing church family. So thank you for that. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter six, verse ten says this: Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you'll show us exactly what we need to see. God, we are so grateful because your word is truth. And Lord, as we apply it to our lives, it changes things. So Father, I pray for those who are watching this in Malawi and those who are watching this in Star Valley and Alaska and in the prison system and wherever they may be, that God, wherever we are in our journey with you, that God, today would be a day that you would draw us closer to you. Father, we praise you for that. We honor you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been looking at this passage of scripture over the last month or so, and as we've been looking at it, we've talked about things like the belt of truth, and and we talked about the fact that the church needs to wear the belt of truth. Uh, we We need to understand the importance of that piece of our armor because the world is in a place where truth is fluid, but God's word is not fluid. And so if we are going to be the church, if we are going to stand out, we need to take the belt and we need to wear it. We also need to wear the breastplate of righteousness and the the church needs to strive for righteousness again. I think we've gotten to a place where we have been okay with not being righteous and and not self-righteous, righteousness that comes through the, the scripture and through being who God's calling us to be, amen? And then uh, the last time that we talked, we talked about wearing, uh, wearing the shoes. And as we looked at that a little bit, we realized that that is the thing that gives us our grip. It's the thing that, that keeps us firm. And, and it really is going back to a very simple gospel that says that as we look at our lives, we need to look at it through this understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you've missed any of those, I would encourage you to get online and, and watch them. 
But the big thing that we need to remember as we look at this scripture is Paul is telling the church that we are at war. And again, I've said this every other week that I've preached from this series, it is not, it is not about being comfortable. So it doesn't talk about you know, the bathrobe of, of you know, salvation. It's not, it's not talking about any of the slippers of you know, whatever. It's, it's talking about war. Why? Because Paul understands that we are strangers in this land, that we are not to be comfortable here. Right? We should always be in a place where we understand that, that the way that we live is going to be contrary to the way that the world s- says that we should live. And so I want us to look at this just a little deeper even this e- today as we look at God's word. We are going to go a little bit out of order. Next week we're going to do the shield, um, but today we're going to look at the helmet. And uh, if you have plans to not be here next weekend, I- I'm going to ask you to change them. Because I believe that next weekend is going to be an, a, an incredible moment in your faith journey if you will come and hear what God has to say. This is a message that I've been, I've been excited to preach. I'm excited about all of these, but that one in particular, I can't wait to be able to preach that to you. So if you, if you can be at church, be at church next weekend. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says, put on the helmet of salvation. And so this is the fifth and the most unnecessary uh, thing that we need for spiritual warfare and there's no, there is no soldier in biblical times that would have gone into war without the helmet to protect their head. They just wouldn't have. And so we need to, we need to unwrap this a little bit and figure out what, what it means because all of this armor is armor that if you were gonna go into battle, you would choose to put it on. You could choose to wear it or not to wear it. But can I tell you that they had designed it in a way that if you would wear the full armor, it gave you the best chance of coming back from the battle. And so as we look at this, I want you to understand that as we choose the helmet of salvation, it is a choice. You are choosing to follow Jesus or to not follow Jesus. Now, I'm not going to land on this for very long, but I do want to make something clear to you. Salvation is not something that once you accept Jesus, it is just there from then on. We do not believe in this church once saved, always saved. I know that's controversial to some of you. But if you look at Jesus' parables, it shows believers that walk away. So you have a choice to live out your salvation or to not live out your salvation. And so as we look at, as we look at this particular verse, we need to understand the importance of the helmet, the importance of going into battle, battle ready. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 12, it says this, For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies uh, our hearts have conceived. We just, we, so justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a, a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his, with his own arm, 
achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. Verse 17, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in in zeal as in a cloak. So Isaiah tells us that God sees truth being dismissed. He sees a world living by its flesh. He sees no one standing for justice. And so he puts on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet like of salvation and then he puts on garments of vengeance and he wraps himself in zeal as a cloak. So Paul is telling us to do what God is doing. In other words, we are to dress like our father. It's amazing to me because what God sees is really where we're at right now. He sees that there isn't justice in this world. I mean, you can't watch the news and not see that even when, even when somebody does something horrifically wrong, they are in many states and in many places, they're being, they're being dismissed and put back out on the street. We got murderers walking the streets again. There isn't justice. There's, there's no truth. In, in this world's eyes, whatever you say is true is true. However you want to live is fine. And you just do whatever you want to do. And God says, no, I gave you a book to determine what is true. And if you're going to turn your back on that, then the church needs to rise up. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We need to wear the helmet of salvation. We need to prepare for battle. And that means that we go and we stand for what is true, even when it's unpopular. When the Apostle Paul is telling us to put on the helmet of salvation, he meant we need to protect our minds. God wants to protect our sanity in an insane world. And so the helmet of salvation does just that. It protects your sanity. If you don't believe this world is going insane, all you have to do is look at the news and people are doing all sorts of crazy, insane things. People have mixed up what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. And they're flipping everything around to be the opposite. And, and the use of the word tolerance has been twisted into something that it never was. This new definition makes, it, makes the Christian claim that there is uh, an exclusivity, that there is, uh, there is one truth. It makes us an intolerant people. And by doing so, then we can be dismissed and canceled. And people who teach uh, a tolerance of all beliefs is, uh, they usually will be the ones that, that will not tolerate Christianity. So we can tolerate everything, but we can't tolerate that. And so it, it, if ever there was a time that we need to realize that there is a battle that is raging, and without the helmet of salvation, we will lose our sanity. We can get sucked into topsy-turvy arguments that we will never win by arguing with somebody on Facebook. But we can win them by living out our salvation. I think that we are in a time right now where people put their helmet on and take their helmet off. Put their helmet on. In other words, they, they, they come, you come to church and, and everybody else is wearing a helmet, so it's all good. But when I go to work this week, I don't, I don't want everybody to know about my faith and I don't want to be categorized in some negative way. And so I'm gonna just, I'll just set my helmet to the side for right now. And God is saying, I need my church to stand. It is time for us to stand up. 
It is time for us to be real and to understand that we are not the ones that should shy away, but we should be the ones that move forward. Can I just tell you, I saw a post by Franklin Graham on social media, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago that I saw it, and so I screen grabbed it and I asked him to put it up here, but, and that's hard for you to read, I get it, I'll read it to you. It says this, I don't know which thousand pastors this group surveyed, but the, the result is concerning. 39% of evangelical pastors surveyed recently said that there is no absolute moral truth and that each individual must determine their own truth. And then he said, what a lie. They also said, shockingly, that 30% of evangelical pastors do not believe that their salvation is based on having confessed their sins and accepting Jesus Christ as their savior. Researchers also found that one-third or more of senior pastors they surveyed said that they believe that people can merit salvation based solely on their good works. These are all lies, and this kind of false teaching is what is leading people and churches astray. The Bible is God's word from cover to cover. It is the absolute truth. We should live by it, and we can die by it. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. That is concerning. That's more than concerning. That's not just people sitting in the pews. That's literally the people leading the people sitting in the pews. That a third of them are saying that salvation can be merit-based. Be a good person and you'll be fine. A third are saying there's no absolute truth. What are you teaching out of? If you don't believe it to be true, then why are you teaching it at all? It's unbelievable to me. And we've got to protect our minds because that just goes to show that even those that we would think would be safe to listen to are spewing things that if our helmet is not intact, we're going to fall for a lie that sounds really nice. So those of you who've been to River for any amount of time, you know that I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. I have bought things on Amazon that I used for illustrations at this church, and they have not been what I thought they were. I got on, I, I, that looks great, and I buy it. And so this time I decided to buy the helmet of salvation. Now from where you are, this may look pretty good, but can I just tell you right now, it's pretty cheap. But I wanted to have something so that I, and I didn't test this either with my, uh, my wife said, you're not gonna put that on, are you? And I said, maybe. No, we're good. We're good. It'll mess with the sound. <clears throat> Darren, come on, brother. We need to understand that the helmet of salvation protects our mind. Evil tries to get into your mind in all sorts of avenues, through media, through social media. It is... It is everywhere that we go and it is easy to believe things that are untrue. We, we spend the majority of our time looking at some kind of screen, whether it's your computer at work, whether it's your phone when you're not at work, whether it's your TV, and almost all of that media is shouting a lie at you. And how much time are we spending in God's word? How much time are we spending in prayer? How much time are we asking God to tell us what he thinks about us? In Colossians chapter three, verse two, it says, set your mind on things above, not on worldly things. 
can I tell you that the helmet protects us from temptation? Problem is, we like the look of the helmet without the weight of the helmet. So here's the thing. I bought this on Amazon, and actually this is, uh, other than looking like a dork, it's actually, there's no weight to it. It's pretty comfortable. But can I tell you that if I wore this into a battle, it would do absolutely nothing for me, right? So I decided to go over and, and to our friends at Christian Life Center and borrow this one. You saying no? <laughs> it's going to look so good, babe. It's going to look so good. I'm just telling you right now. Oh, we got pictures being taken. That's awesome. Can I tell you, this one's got some weight. This one's a little heavier, and that does look pretty dorky, to be honest with you. All right. We're, <laughs> we're taking it off. All right. Um... Hey, I'm going to do something real quick. Ethan, will you grab this mic for me? Just set it down there. Thank you, sir. We want to keep this one out here. This is good. Um, see if that'll work. Hey, look at that. Um, that one's got some weight. That one, if we, were to, if we were to go into battle, that actually protects something. The problem is, is that we have tried to whittle down salvation to make it more comfortable. Oh. Probably going to owe Pastor Seth a new mic holder, but wants to be worn. Uh... So this is the thing. People in, in modern society, in the modern church, this is why you see people, what we call, deconstructing their faith. They are taking and saying, listen, I like the idea of Jesus. I like the idea of Christianity. I like the idea of all of that. But that gets pretty heavy. And so I would rather it just look like Christianity, even though it actually doesn't do anything for me. And the problem is, this is fine if there's not a battle. If we're going to a costume party, this is fine, right? But the word says we're in a battle. And so if we all settle for what's light and easy, then we are going to get injured. We are going to get hurt. We are going to lose the battle. So it's time for the church to understand it keeps turning towards me. Little, cre little, little creepy, but that's all right. If you want to be able to handle temptation, you need to claim the promises of God over your life, and you need to understand that he has a calling for us as a church, that we are to live this thing out. It's not just something that we, that we talk about when it's convenient, but it's something that is inerrant in our lives, and that there are always, the enemy is always out to destroy you. And one of the best ways that he can get to any of us is through our mind. If he can get you to start believing things that are false, then all of a sudden you start making decisions based on things that are untrue. 
I, I, I've had conversations even this week with people who I said, listen, the enemy is going to lie to you. He's going to tell you things that are not true, and you need to call those things out for what they are, because he is a liar. And if he can penetrate your mind, then he can steer your direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we need to focus for a moment on the fact that God is faithful. Sometimes we need to just land there for a moment. We hear that part that says he won't let you be tempted more than you, you can bear. That's all great. But the reality is, even if we can just wrap our mind around this idea that God is faithful, what does that mean? He never goes back on what he says. He's faithful. He always is the same. He always is who he says that he is. So when we start to believe that he isn't, then it's not because he's changed, it's because we've allowed something to penetrate. People tell me things like, oh yeah, I got in trouble, I couldn't help myself, it was impossible to resist, I had no choice but to give in. And when you say things like that, what you're saying is that God is a liar. Because God says he'll always make a way out. He'll always give you an opportunity to not fall prey to temptation. It may be tough, it may be painful, it might even be embarrassing, but there is always a way out. God makes sure of it, and that's his promise. But Satan is constantly battling for your mind. That's where the battle actually happens. I heard it said this way once, that when God gives us an idea, it's inspiration. When the devil gives us an idea, it's temptation. I'm afraid this is gonna fall. You can keep looking at me, buddy, but you're gonna sit that way. You choose every day which thought process you're going to dwell on. I loved what Pastor Seth preached on last weekend because it was so good, to, to a great way to just point that out, that, there, that we have two natures. That we, when we accept Christ, we, we have this divine nature, but yet our sinful nature is still battling to take precedent. And for us, what we need to realize is that every day we make a choice, what's our thought process gonna look like? For many of us, the very first thing we do when we wake up in the morning maybe is that you open your phone and you start scrolling social media. And so you already set your mind to this is what's important to me. What if instead you set your phone aside and you actually got one of these things, I know it's crazy, we used to all have them, but a paper Bible, and here's the reason why. Maybe some of you are good and you're able to get into your, into your Bible app and you'll do fine. But many of you, I'm gonna get into the Bible and then all of a sudden notification, ding, 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 and now you're gone. You're in a different world. But if we were to start our day by looking at God's word and saying, hey, this is my inspiration. God is going to speak to me this morning and he's gonna prepare me because I am in a battle and I know that he has great plans for me. I know that he wants me to win. I know that he doesn't want me to give in to temptation. I know that he wants me to stand firm because the verse kept saying, stand, stand, stand. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to stand and not bow to what the enemy is saying to you. But you need to change your mind by replacing the temptation with truth. 
And truth is found in his word. The Bible says you need to resist the devil. How do you do that? By preparing for temptation. Why? How do you do that? You put on the helmet. You put on the thing that's going to protect your mind. So every day when you wake up, you go, God, I am yours and you are mine and you've got good things for me and not bad things. And the lies that the enemy speaks to me, God, will you reveal them to me? Will you show me what I'm being lied to? Will you teach me to see myself the way that you see me? And all of a sudden now these flaming darts that are coming at you, you have what it takes to protect your mind. The devil constantly reminds us of our past and who we were. And that's why the, salvation, the helmet of salvation is so important because it protects our mind. We need to accept God's salvation as a helmet. What does a helmet do? It protects your head and your mind and that's where the battle is going on. Some of you sit in this room today and you struggle with things like pornography. And because of that, it's a constant battle in your mind. The way that you think throughout the day is continually affected because of that. Some of you struggle with, with, uh, with gossip and struggle with, with talking bad about people and some of you struggle with talking bad about yourself. And it's a battle that continually goes on, but we need to take those thoughts captive and we need to understand that it all bows to Jesus. So we have the ability to say, God, I'm taking these thoughts that I'm struggling with and I'm laying them at your feet and maybe, you can, maybe you're in a place where you're like, I'm not strong enough and that's okay because God's word tells us that in our weakness, he's strong. The helmet gives us a new thought process. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 16 says this, so from now on, we regard no one from the worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So I wanna look at this for just a moment because this verse, there's a lot to it and we could spend a lot of time on it, but the main thing I want you to hear is that the old is gone and the new is here. That when you accept Christ and you put on the helmet of salvation and you say, I am going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a new creation. Now here's the thing. The enemy knows that one of the biggest things that he can do to get into your mind is that he can talk about your past. He can use your past as a weapon against you. And so when he does that, what happens is we begin to believe that we haven't actually changed. But if we start to believe that, then again, we're in a position where we're saying that, God, you're a liar. Because God says you're new. He says the old is gone. I've removed the old from you and you can walk in newness of life. Now, now if we weren't in battle right now and we and I just I got the full armor up here I got everything and I said hey do you want to just put this on and let's go to dinner how many of you know you'd be pretty uncomfortable right you'd be like this is stupid I'm wearing this helmet it'll look ridiculous uh and it's heavy 
and all the things. But how many of you know if all of a sudden, can I just tell you something? This is kind of crazy, but two weeks ago, uh, and I'm just going to say it because you probably already saw it in the news anyhow, but uh, two weeks ago after church, we had a guy pull into the parking lot. There was a few people left here. Guy pulled into the parking lot, started screaming obscenities at some of our people. And so the people went back into the church and the doors were locked. And the guy came out and was trying to get into the church. And then he went back to his car and he pulled out a sword and was just roaming around the parking lot with a sword. The police came, they arrested him. He, he's in trouble, whatever. But I bet if I had my sword and my shield, some of those people would have been more than happy to go up and put on the full armor. That would have been an interesting newscast right there. <laughs> that is one crazy church out in East Missoula. <laughs> but you wouldn't even be thinking about the weight of it, right? Because you need it. You know you're going to battle, so now all of a sudden the weight doesn't matter as long as I'm prepared to protect myself and to move forward in what God's calling me to do. Problem is the church for so long has felt like we're not in a battle that we get uncomfortable in the gear. And it's time for us to realize the battle is real. Whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, it is real. And so, so you can put this on so you feel comfortable, but I'm telling you right now, you're in a lot of danger. Or you can put on the real thing and you can march forward into the battle knowing full well that you are armored up and ready. When we put on the helmet of salvation and we have, uh, we have put ourselves into a position where we know that God loves us, that he sees us, that no matter what our past, no matter what our struggle, no matter any of those things, that God so loved you that he sent his only son to die on a cross so that you can be reconciled to him, for some of you, you've done a lot of junk. You've done a lot of stupid. We've all done a lot of stupid. And we are here by the grace of God. Because he so loved the world. I'm gonna have the worship team come and in just a moment, they're gonna lead us in a little bit more worship. But before they do that, I'm gonna ask everybody to just close your eyes with me for the next few moments. As we close out this time together, I want to just give you an opportunity because I believe that there are some that sit in the room today and maybe you have served God in the past, but you're not serving him now. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus because all you've ever heard about church and Christians is how judgmental they are or how hard it is or how it's just a bunch of rules and regulations and all of those things. And I'm here to tell you right now that that you need to understand from me that, that this isn't about religion. It isn't about rules and regulations. It's actually about freedom. God's word talks about this freedom that comes as we reconcile ourselves to our Savior because all of a sudden, all the weight of our stuff, God takes it. I, I, can't even, I can't even begin to fathom that kind of love that he has for us because so many of us, we've done so many stupid things for so long and yet God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He said, I'm gonna send you. You're gonna die on a cross. And as you do that, it's paying the price. That's why when I hear these preachers say that you don't need that, what a slap in Jesus's face. Why would a loving God ever send his son unless it was necessary? 
So today, if you're sitting here or you're watching online and you would be honest and say, you know, I don't have a right relationship with him. Can I just tell you, you have the opportunity right now to have a miracle take place in your life. And the miracle is this, that the God of the universe said, if you'll just believe, if you'll accept the gift of my son, then I'm gonna take all of your sin and I'm gonna remove it from you. That's amazing. He doesn't say after you take a certain amount of classes or after you've been to church for this amount of time, I've taken attendance and once you've done that, then we'll reconcile you. No, you're reconciled through the death of his son on the cross and accepting the free gift of salvation. He wants to cleanse your mind. He wants to change things for you. He wants to bring you to a place where you can have hope and a future. Some of you, even as I'm saying this, I feel like there's some of you that are, that are listening to me right now and you've put all your hope in a political party. And I'm telling you right now, they will let you down, but he will never let you down. His word says he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, that he loves you and that he sees you and he has a plan and a dream and a desire for you. So if you're in the room or you're watching online, if you just do me a favor and you just say, Jason, I want to be reconciled to, to God. I want a right relationship with him. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor and just in this moment right now, will you, will you just lift up your hand and catch my eye because I wanna pray for you. Okay, thanks, man. Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, both of you, thank you. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, would you remember me in this closing prayer? I want to make my relationship right with God. Okay, I see you. I want to take one more moment. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I see you back there. I feel like there's someone in the house right now that you've accepted Christ before, but you been just wearing the plastic helmet not actually wearing the weight of what that means to be a believer and to be a follower of Jesus Christ and even as I was given that analogy some of you felt like oh that's me I hope nobody knows that I want to tell you you're missing out because that plastic helmet isn't going to protect your mind God wants to protect your mind. He wants to set you on the right path. Is there anybody that would just say, I want to renew some stuff. I want, to, I, want to, I want the weight of my salvation. I want to feel that. I want to know that he is working in my mind. Is there anybody like that at all? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Here's the thing, it's amazing that God did what he did because he wanted so badly to have a relationship with us. So you're gonna pray this prayer and if you're new to River and you hear this, you might be going, man, that seems oversimplified. But the reality is, is it's the step one. So when you pray this prayer, what you're saying is I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that he came and they died on the cross for my sins and I believe that I have salvation through him. And now what you're going to do then from here is you're going to learn to follow him. In order to follow him, it's gonna be 
learning to hear his voice, learning to understand who he is, getting in his word, spending time in worship, all of those things help us to grow in our faith journey. So I'm gonna ask everybody that's in this room right now to repeat this prayer with me, whether you raised your hand or you didn't. I'm gonna just say, let's all pray it together. And if you mean what you're saying, then you're starting this journey with Jesus Christ and it's one of the, it's the most incredible thing you could ever do. So let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you're so merciful to me. God, I thank you that you so loved me that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. So today I accept that free gift and I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to learn to know you more. Help me to be who you're asking me to be. Help me to do what you're asking me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I would love the opportunity to talk to you afterwards. I'll be in the back by the sound booth. But we're going to spend a little bit more time in worship today. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, we just take a moment and say, God, help me to grow. Help me to look more like you. Help me to understand the reality of who I am and what you're calling me to do. And let's go and take back the darkness. Let's take back and bring the light. Amen? Amen. Will you stand as we worship? The altars are open if you need prayer. Thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.